Becoming familiar with the method the devil uses to trap people will help you prevent it from happening. This message is the ninth in the series, Pray. The message is entitled, How to Pray for Your Family. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Grab your Bibles, your teaching sheets as we get ready to dive into a message today called Praying for Your Family. How do you pray for your family? We're in a series together called How to Pray, or actually the topic is specifically pray. We've been learning over the summer the importance of living a life of prayer and what that means and how we actually apply it in some very practical ways in our lives. There was a time when one of Jesus' disciples came to him and said, Lord, would you teach us to pray? John the Baptist's disciples are teaching his disciples how to pray. Lord, would you teach us how to pray? And Jesus said, I want you to pray like this. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Most of us know that as the Lord's Prayer. Most of us can perhaps quote at least a portion, if not all, of the Lord's Prayer. Maybe you learned it in Sunday school and catechism. Maybe your your parents taught it to you. Your grandparents taught you the Lord's Prayer. And so often we think of it as a prayer for recitation. We can spell out those words in just a matter of a few seconds, but Jesus was not giving us words to recite. He was giving us a principle or a set of principles to pray by. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. That is, in the first portion of our prayers, we need to take time to honor and praise God because He is worthy of praise. His name needs to be hallowed and honored. May your kingdom come and your will be done. How we open our lives to the rulership of God and we say, Lord, we don't want to be in charge of our lives. We want you to be in charge of our lives. We surrender in that portion of the prayer. And then give us today our daily bread. Lord, there are things that we will need today to do your will. So we're asking you to meet all of those needs in our life and supply everything necessary for fulfilling the purpose you have for me each day. That is living one day at a time, trusting God daily. And then forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lord, help me to make sure that my relationship with you is right, my relationships with other people are are where they need to be, that I'm living the right kind of relationships and the right principles of relationships. I'm living in forgiveness. And then we talked about that portion of the prayer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We talked about the protective nature of that prayer. Lead me not, lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. One translation says, from the evil one. And we talked about the importance of praying prayers of protection over your life. And today I'm going to share a little bit more about that portion of the prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Would you say that with me? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Once again, if you will, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I want to talk specifically about how you pray this particular prayer in reference to your own life and your family. Because I I want to share with you today that prayer is very important, not just for you, but prayer is important for your household. Prayer is important for you if you're a parent, if you're a married person, any kind of family relationships, and we all have them, we need to be bringing God into our homes. And one of the ways that we do that is by our prayers, by the process of praying, and by the process of knowing how to pray for our family. 
So let me share with you today four things I believe will help us to pray effectively, not only for our own lives, but also for those that are closest and nearest and dearest to us. I'm going to talk about three to begin with, kind of three foundational principles that I will cover fairly quickly. We'll spend most of our time on the fourth point together, but I want you to get the first three uh, for the foundation that will lead us to the final point today. The first thing I want to remind you of is you and I need to realize that the devil is targeting you and targeting your families. One of the major themes of Scripture is this theme of spiritual battle or spiritual warfare, that there is this battle going on in the invisible realm. We cannot see it, but it's a battle between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan, between light and darkness. Now, we know that through Christ, He has already won that battle, but there's still, there's still warfare going on. There's an invisible spiritual realm that is very, very, every bit as real as the natural realm that we see around us. And in the spiritual realm, there are battles that are ongoing. There is a devil, a personality of evil. He's treated as such in Scripture. There are forces of darkness, demonic spirits that exist in the world around us. And we need to be aware of the context of this and the battle that goes on. The Apostle Paul references this in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. Listen to what he said to us. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power, Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Notice he uses very specifically the devil, the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil where in the heavenly realms, in the invisible realms, there's darkness around us contending against us. Peter references this in 1 Peter 5, 8. He says, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, again, there's an identification of an evil personality, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And if you and I are going to live truly victorious Christian lives, it's imperative that we understand the fact that we are in a spiritual battle, that we are fighting unseen spiritual forces that are intent upon our destruction. The Bible says of Satan, he comes to steal and kill and destroy. We must be aware that we are in a battle and to realize that the devil is not only targeting you, but the devil is targeting your family. I don't say that to make you afraid, but I do say that to make you aware. It's extreme important that we're aware of the reality of spiritual warfare. Now, why would the enemy not only target you, but also target your family? Because Satan understands something. He knows that if he gets to you, he ruins a life, but he gets, if he gets to a family, he can ruin a legacy. If he can get to you, he can ruin your life, but if he gets to your family, he can ruin a heritage. He can ruin a legacy because the family is the building block for society. And that's why the breakdown of our family is such a terrible thing in our culture today that we need to see our families strengthen again. In fact, this coming fall, I'm going to do an entire series of messages on strengthening our families. We'll talk about how to build solid marriages and how to build good family relationships and how to be great parents according to God's Word. So we're going to see what the Bible says, but I want you to know that there is this attack against us individually, yes, but also you, your home is under attack as well. Be aware of that not because of fear, not to generate fear, but for recognition, awareness. Number two, you and I need to become familiar with the method the devil uses to trap people. The Bible refers to the method of Satan, the methodology of Satan. 
Going back to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, we're told to put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's, what's the next word there? Schemes. Notice that word. That word scheme in the original language represents a word that perhaps you may be familiar with. If you've studied anything about electronics, you perhaps have seen schematics before. And schematics of an electronic piece will show you the circuitry, how it operates, the things that work, and how it works. The same is true when it comes to the enemy. He has schemes or schemata or methods, methodology that he uses to try and trap us. He does not use the same thing with everybody. He does not attack you the same way that he may attack me. He studies our weaknesses. He's aware of our vulnerabilities, and he will attack you. I promise you, he will attack your life. He is searching out a way to devour you and to get into your family, and he uses a variety of methods. Certainly, he uses the method of temptation. He uses the method of false imaginations and intimidations that will get in your head, all kinds of things that play with your mind. He gets into your your physical activities of life in the sense of exhausting you to where you have no spiritual energy to pour into your life, all kind of ways. I can't speak specifically for you today in terms of the method the enemy will use, but there is a method that he uses against you to try to get into your life or into your family. And that's why, this leads me to my third point, you and I need to develop very strong spiritual discernment. Let me review where we've been so far. There is a devil. There are enemy forces that are targeting you and targeting your family. Why? Because if he can get to you, he gets your life. If he can get to your family, he can get your legacy. Based upon that, he's going to use a variety of methods. The way he attacks you will be different from me, and that means that we need discernment. We need to recognize the attack before we're taken captive by it. The best time to recognize temptation is not after you've fallen into temptation. The best time to recognize temptation is before you fall into temptation. Amen? It's to recognize it before you step into the trap. And so this is called discernment. Let me take you to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 21 through 23. I love this passage. My child is talking to each one of us. Don't lose sight of common sense and, what's the next word there? Discernment. Hang on to them. Hang on to what? Common sense and discernment. For they will refresh your soul. They are like jewels on a necklace. They, they what? The common sense and the discernment. They will keep you safe on your way and your feet will not stumble. Here the wise writer of Proverbs, inspired by the Holy Spirit, says, you need to make sure that in your life you're getting as much common sense as you can get, and to make sure you're developing as much discernment as you can develop. I think in our world today, one of the tough things about common sense is it's not very common anymore. People just do all kind of dumb things. We do dumb things, and we step back and say, why did I do that? And we don't even think through it on the front end. And so common sense is looking at where something is going to take you before you step into it. Commonly, what is going to happen if I do this, if I make this decision, what will be the common consequences of it? That's called common sense. Discernment is a bit different. Discernment is picking up on something that you would not normally pick up on. It's sort of developing an extra spiritual sense about you when you recognize there's a moment that something is a bit unusual here. This is not just a regular problem. It seems as though this represents some kind of spiritual attack. How many times in your life have you stepped back and say, you know, you said to another person, you know, it just seems like right now I'm undergoing some spiritual attack. 
And there are times that we undergo things of that nature. It is very, very real. Now, we should not make every problem in our life out to be some massive spiritual attack, but there are times that we are under the gun. We're under a spiritual attack that we need to be sensitized to, and that is called discernment. Because when you discern something, you recognize it before you step into the trap of it. That's why Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, he says, so that Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. The best thing in your life is to make sure you're living in such a way that you've got common sense and discernment so that Satan doesn't outsmart you, you outsmart him. Are you with me? And to make sure that you're familiar with the schemes that he will use in your life. What are, the, what are the ways that He tries to target you? Are you aware? Are you, are you discerning those things in your life? And so again, we are targeted ourselves and our families in spiritual battle. And because of that, he, He's going to use certain methods on us. And because our methods are different, we need discernment. And I want to bring us now to the fourth and final point where I want to spend most of my time today. And this is where we get into some action points for your life. And I want, you to, I want to encourage you to become a protected, proactive believer. That God's plan for you is that you would be protected and that you would be proactive. If we face spiritual battle and the enemy is scheming against us and we need this discernment to recognize it, in the context of this discernment, we need to be protected and we need to be proactive. We do not need to be passive. Because if we're passive, we're actually going to become a victim or a casualty of spiritual warfare. And I want to tell you today, before I get into the next seven things I want to share with you about that are very practical, I want to remind you today that God, through Jesus Christ, has made spiritual victory possible for you and possible for your family. Victory can happen in your life. And God's plan for you is that you would be protected and that you would be proactive. And I'm going to share with you for the next few moments seven things, seven things that you can do in your life that will cause you to be protected against any attack of the enemy yourself and in your family, as well as to be properly proactive, taking your stand as God calls you to take a stand. The first thing that is necessary if you're going to be protected and and proactive is to make sure that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, that you've come to the place that you love and you obey Him. My question to you this morning is really simply this, to begin with in this part of this message, and I want you to think about it in your own life, is Jesus truly Lord of your life? You might say, what does it mean for Christ to be Lord of one's life? It means that He is sitting at the center of your life, that, he is, that your greatest love is toward Him, that your greatest love is not toward your husband or toward your wife or even toward your children or your family, but your greatest love is toward God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and strength, that He is Lord of your life, that He is number one, that He is in charge of your life, because you can't have Jesus operating in victory and power in your life if, you're not, if you have not made Him Lord of your life. You can't experience the beauty of His power unless you've placed Him in control. You you cannot have God at work in your house if He's not at work in your heart. 
And so God at work in your house starts with God being at work where? In your heart. There, from time to time over the years, I've had people say, Pastor, would you please come and bless my house? Would you come and pour some oil on my house and bless my house? I just want to tell you that God's not in the business necessarily of blessing real estate. He's in the business of blessing people, okay? All right? If you'll carry God into your house with you, God will be in your house, okay? If you'll carry an anointing with, your, with you, your, your, your house will be anointed. You don't have to have oil poured on your roof. Just carry oil poured on your head, amen? Oil poured on your life. If you're anointed by the Holy Spirit, there's an anointing upon your house. And so we get very mystical at times about things like this, but we have to realize that the beginning point is that this relationship with Jesus, that He is Lord of my life and Lord of my family, that in my home, Jesus Christ is Lord. Listen to Mark 16, verse 17. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. Or we could translate that appropriately, under my authority, because in my name represents the authority of Christ. In my name, what will they do? They will drive out demons. So when you and I are living under the authority or in the name of Jesus, there is simply power imparted to us to drive evil from our lives. So my first question, is Jesus Lord of your life? If He's not Lord of your life, you're in the right place today because He wants to become your Lord today. And the greatest decision you'll ever make in your life is to make Him Lord of your life. When you stop and say, you know, God, I'm ready for you to be number one. Today, I'm turning my life over to you. And maybe for some of you today, that's the very beginning point. God brought you here today for that very thing to happen in your life. The second thing that's necessary for us to be protected and proactive is we need to know that Jesus is the mighty warrior. We sing a song from time to time here, our God is mighty to save. Savior, he can move the mountains. Our God is mighty to save. Why do we use phrases like that? Why do we sing songs like that? Because Jesus is the mighty warrior. When you're in relationship with Christ and he's Lord of your life, you're teamed up with and you are under the authority of the one who has never lost a battle and never will lose a battle. Okay. Are you hearing that? When you team up with Jesus, you're teamed up with the one who has never lost one single battle, and he never will lose a battle. That's why it's important to realize that when you're facing your battles, when you're with Christ, you've teamed up with the victor. You've teamed up with the winner. You can't win these battles on your own, but with Christ, you are teamed up with the one who is indeed known as the mighty warrior. Notice what the scripture says in 1 John 4, verse 4. You dear children, talking to us, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Notice the one who is in you is the greater one. See, the greater one is not the one out there attacking you. The greater one is in you. His name is Christ. He is the mighty warrior at work in and through your life. You've teamed up with the winner, okay? The psalmist said this in Psalm 24, 7 and 8, lift up your heads, O ye gates, be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. And then he asks this question rhetorically, who is this King of glory? He answers himself, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Dear one, let me tell you something today, whatever battle you're facing in your life and whatever battle you're facing in your family, the Lord is stronger than any enemy that you're facing right now in your life, in your family, any realm of your life. 
He is the mighty warrior. Okay? The third thing is so important. To be a protected, proactive believer, you need to understand the power of the word, the power of the cross, the power of the blood, and the power of the name of Jesus. Let me give these back to you again. The power of the word, the cross, the blood, and the name. Say those with me. The word, the cross, the blood, and the name. Let's say it once again. The word, the cross, the blood, and the name. If you were getting ready to go into battle somewhere, what you would make sure that you had with you would be your artillery, your body armor, and your offensive weapons, whatever they might be. And what you must understand is that when you get ready to go to battle with the mighty warrior who is Christ, he also gives you some weapons. He gives you some weapons of warfare, not, not natural weapons, but spiritual weapons. He gives you the weapon of the power of the Word of God, the power of the cross of Jesus, the power of the blood of Jesus, and the power of the name of Jesus. Again, those four things, the power of the Word the cross, the blood, and the name. The word, let's talk about each of those individually just for a moment. You've been given this wonderful gift we have as believers called the Word of God. And the Word of God, the Bible says, is powerful. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It is able to do work against the adversary. God's Word will drive back darkness. When God spoke the Word, let there be light, darkness fleed at the, at the declaration of the Word. Jesus himself, when he was facing his time of temptation on the Mount of Temptation, you can read about this in Matthew chapter 4, as the enemy, as the devil is coming against him, Jesus is under spiritual attack. And the Bible says that the way that Jesus successfully navigated that spiritual attack was very simple. He simply quoted the Bible. Matthew 4 verse 4. As Satan is tempting him, Jesus answered, It is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. How did Jesus overcome Satan in that situation? By quoting, by declaring the Word of God. Let me ask you this morning, do you know the Word? Is the Word of God in your heart, and does the Word of God come out of your mouth? That's why you and I need to be filled with the Word of God. That's why your house needs to be filled with the Word of God. There are times that my wife and I will simply walk through our house with open Bibles, and we will read the Bible out loud. You say, why? I want my house to hear the Bible. Amen? Okay? I want the atmosphere in my home to hear the declaration of God's Word. Every night before we go to bed, I read at least one verse of Scripture, and I read it out loud so that she hears it and we hear it together. Why? Because I want declared in my house the Word of God. Why? Because the Word of God is powerful. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. For some of you today, perhaps one of the things there'll be a massive breakthrough in your family is for you to get home this afternoon and when you have some private time to get your Bible out and start walking through your house and reading some Scripture out loud. Proclaim it out loud. A great passage to read is Psalm chapter 91, other passages, but fill your house up with the Word of God. You might be saying, well, that seems so mystical. No, there's power in the Word. It is a weapon that God has given you. It works in your life. It works in your family. Then there's the cross. 
On the cross of Jesus Christ, when He died for us, He died for our sins. He paid the price that we owed God. We owed the price for every sin that we committed, but Jesus paid the price for us. And what looked like a, what looked like a failure on the cross actually was a great victory because on the cross, Jesus dealt a blow against all the works of darkness. And Paul speaks of this in Colossians chapter 2, verse number 15. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he's talking about demonic realms, he made a public spectacle of them, notice this statement, triumphing over them, how? By the cross. When you're going through a time of spiritual attack, or as you live your life, you begin to declare, I am living in the shadow of the cross. The cross of Jesus is over me. I live by the power of the cross because I was nailed to that cross in Christ. I'm no longer that same person. I'm a new entity because through, the Christ, through Christ, I'm a new creation. Through the cross of Jesus, there's something new in me. The power of the Holy Spirit is in me, and the power of the Holy Spirit is in this household, in this home, you proclaim the power of the cross, the power of the word and the power of the cross and the power of the blood. There's power in the blood. Power in the blood. The Bible says that life is in the blood. When Jesus was on the cross, as they pierced his, his hands and they pierced his feet and they pierced his side as the crown of thorns went into his brow, blood flowed. And that was so very important because Jesus was there as the eternal sacrifice for sin. It pointed all the way back to the time of Passover in the Old Testament. When the children of Israel were wanting to come out of Egypt and God said, a death angel is going to pass through the land and I want to get my people out, but here's what you must do. You must take a little lamb and put it in your household and keep it for 14 days. And then on that last day, you're to slay the lamb and paint your doorposts with the blood of the lamb. And here was the promise. God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And so all of those who painted their doorposts with the blood of the lamb, when the death angel came through, they were set free. They were, they were released from Egyptian bondage by the blood. You and I are released from the power of sin by the blood of the one and only lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. There's power in the blood. The power of the blood speaks on behalf of God and brings us in reconciliation with God. And I will tell you something, the blood is something that we plea against the enemy because there's victory in the blood. There's power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Why is this important? Because I'll tell you, listen closely. One of the tricks the devil will use on your life, and he uses it regularly in all of our lives, he comes along and he tries to remind you of your yesterdays. He tries to remind you of your past. He says, you, you remember, remember that part of your life? Do you remember what you did then? Remember who you were there? And he pulls it out in front of us and he hangs it out before our face and says, that's still who you are. You're still that same person. You're just a mess. And there's no hope for you. Look at, look at what your life's been. He likes to remind you of all your failures. He likes to remind you of what you have been so he can rob you of what you will be. But let me tell you something, when you begin to live under the blood, you don't live in what I was, you live in what I am, okay? okay? Because the blood changes perspectives for you. 
Because the blood says, my sins are washed, my sins are forgiven. It's been washed and covered. Now I am that new creation in Christ. I'm living in the power of the blood. In Revelation chapter 12, the story is told of some believers who are being accused by the enemy for their past, for things in their life. And the Bible says, it tells us how they overcame. In verse 11 of Revelation chapter 12, they overcame him, that's the enemy, the accuser of the brethren. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. What you and I need to realize is that we're living in the power of the blood. When the enemy comes and reminds you of your past, you say, you know what? My past is under the blood of Jesus. You proclaim the power of the blood and then the power of the name. Remember, there are four things, the power of the word, the power of the cross, the power of the blood, and the power of the name. In Philippians chapter 2, is everybody still with me so far today? Okay. This, this message will really help you if you put it, really begin to put it in practice. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul writes and says, because of Jesus' obedience, going to the cross and obe- being obedient to death, God gave him a name above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There is no name like the name of Jesus. There's no name like that name. There's no name like the name of the Lord. And when you and I in faith call on the name of the Lord, we're calling on the authority of Jesus. The psalmist said in Psalm 124 verse 8, our help, we find our help in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. David understood this as a shepherd boy. When David goes on the scene where Goliath is and all the armies of Israel are being intimidated by Goliath and and they're asking the question, who's going to fight this giant, this Philistine giant? And David says, I'll go fight him. And Saul said, well, you know, if you're going to fight him, you need some armor on. Why don't you take my armor? And so Saul took his armor off and put it on David. And David said, I can't fight in this. And David said, I need my slingshot and five rocks. And he goes against Goliath. But he realizes this. He says, yeah, I'm not really going against Goliath with a slingshot or with stones. I'm going in the name of the Lord. Notice what it says in 1 Samuel 17, 45. David walks up to Goliath the Philistine and said to him, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Let me ask you the question. At the end of the day, who was standing and who was on the ground? Goliath fell and David stood. Why? Because he stood in the power of the name of the Lord. Psalm 44, 5 through 7, through you we push back our enemies, through your name we trample our foes. Dear ones, let me remind you that you've been given some weaponry. That weaponry includes the power of the Word, the power of the cross of Jesus, the power of the blood of Jesus, and the power of the name of Jesus. These are gifts that have been given to you against the adversary so that you can be protected and you can be pro active against him. And that leads me to my fourth thing. You and I need to use the spiritual authority that Jesus gave us. If you're going into battle and you're all outfit for battle, you've got all the artillery necessary to win the battle. There's only one thing. If you're successfully dressed for battle and you're better dressed than the enemy in terms of your, your, your capabilities, There's only one thing that can keep you from winning is that if you don't use your weapons. 
And there are a lot of Christians who've been given the power of the word, the power of the cross, the power of the blood and the power of the name, but they don't use it. It's been imparted, but they're not using the authority. When Jesus died, he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. When he rose from the grave, he told his disciples, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. But this is the part that we sometimes fail to recognize. Not only does Jesus have all authority, but he's also deputized us with his authority. To deputize means this. It means if I'm in a position of authority and I need you to help me exercise that authority, I have the right to deputize you with the authority that I have. I can place a badge on your shoulder or on your chest, and now you're deputized to exercise the same authority that I exercise. That's what, it call, that's, that's what being deputized is all about. Now, when Jesus redeemed you, he brought you out of your sins, he washed you clean and gave you newness of life and gave you a brand new beginning and gave you the authority of his name, he deputized you to use the power of his word, the power of his cross, the power of his blood, and the power of his name. You are duly deputized to exercise the authority of Christ, okay? That means that when the enemy is coming against you, you've got to utilize the authority. You've got to take a stand. You can't be passive when the enemy is attacking you. You've got to stand against it. Notice Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Jesus' words to us, I have given you authority. Notice you, you authority, to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Jesus said, I've given you the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. What is this snakes and scorpions? Well, this represents not a physical snake or scorpion, but it represents the, 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 the representation of the serpent. Going back to Genesis chapter 3, the devil is known as a snake and he's known as a serpent because he stings. He has a stinger in his life. And so Jesus says, I've given you authority to trample on the serpent and trample on the scorpion that would try to sting you and to overcome all the power of the enemy. You have been duly authorized, duly deputized to utilize authority to drive back the enemy that would come against you or your family. In James chapter 4, 7, submit yourselves then to God. Resist. That's an active word. The actual Greek term that's used there is where we get our word antihistamine from in the English language. It means to put a battle up, to resist. Resist the devil. Everybody say that with me. Resist the devil. Okay. Say it again. Now, I want you to say it like you mean it, not resist the devil. Okay. Okay. But I want you, if you're in a place of authority and you've been deputized to take a stand against serpents and scorpions, the enemy coming against you, and you get ready to resist, how are you going to say that? Resist the devil. Okay. See, the, see the fire in you? There's some passion that begins to rise in you of resistance. Resist the devil, and what will he do? He will flee from you. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Here it is again. What? Resist him. Standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Number, number five, saturate yourself and your family and the Word of God and in prayer. We've talked about that one. I'm not going to spend any more time on it, but your family, your life needs to be saturated in the Word of God and in prayer. And then number six, saturate your environment with thanksgiving, praise, and worship. 
I'll give you a moment to write that down. Saturate your environment with thanksgiving, praise, and worship. The word saturate, when we use that word, I'd like to draw a word picture for you. If you take a sponge and you dip it into water and you let it sit in that water for a period of time, the sponge is going to absorb the water. When you pull the sponge out, it's going to be dripping with water. It's saturated, okay? What I want to encourage you to do in your household is to saturate your household, the environment of your home, to saturate it with, wor- with thanksgiving and praise and worship. Your home needs to be filled with thanksgiving, not grumbling. Amen? So many times our homes are filled with grumbling and complaining and agitation about this and discontentment about that. Flip that around and, and when you are tempted to grumble, start praising, okay? When you're tempted to complain, start thanking God for something because there's something you can always thank God for. And so why is this important? Thanking God, praise and worship because Anytime you you express true thanksgiving to God and worship and praise to God, you attract the presence of God, okay? That's why we have a singing portion in our service, because we want to welcome the the presence of God. We don't just sing in the first portion of our service because, uh, what are we going to, I don't know, let's just sing a little bit, you know, before everybody gets here. No, that's not what we do. It's because we're attracting the presence of God. So, what you want to do is create an atmosphere in your home where you're, you're singing your praise. You say, well, does that mean I walk around my house singing praise? Yes, that means you do. You say, well, I can't sing. That's okay. Just do it when nobody else is around, okay? okay. <laughs> but walk through your house. There are times that I will walk through my house and I will sing out songs of worship, songs of praise to God. One of the great things we have available to us in our world that we have fantastic worship and praise music. You ought, to, you ought to beam that stuff every place in your house, every corner, every nook and cranny of your house, saturated with worship and praise. I'm not saying that that's the only kind of music that you need to listen to or you can listen to, but it should be the predominant kind of music that you listen to. And I'll tell you this, once you start listening to that, you probably don't want to listen to a lot more of anything else, okay? Because there's something about that that attracts the sense of God's presence. You know, everybody's a singer. You are. I've seen you in the shower with a shampoo bottle. I haven't really seen you in the shower, by the way. Okay, so Everybody's a singer, okay? But you've got to start singing the praises of God and create that environment. Psalm 149, verse 6, may the praise of God be in their mouths. And notice this, in a double-edged sword in their hands, that when you're praising God, it's like having a sword in your hand against the adversary. I love this passage in Acts chapter 16, as Paul and Silas have been put in prison because of their faith, and they're going through a difficult time, beaten and in the inner dungeon, and about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying, and what else were they doing? Singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. See, they could have been complaining, they could have been frustrated about where they were, but instead they're in this prison singing praise to God and the Bible says everybody's listening and suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prisons of the prison were shaken at at once all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose listen to me this morning some of you are going to go home and start singing praise in your house and some chains are going to start coming off some people around you okay all right are you hearing me okay you say does that really work I'm not talking about some magical thing here. I'm talking about weapons of our warfare. I'm talking about creating, I'm talking about being real Christian families. Amen? Okay? Not just saying we're Christian families, but being real Christian families so that in our household there's this atmosphere of worship that breaks chains in our lives. Last point, and with this I'll be done, you need to stay connected to God's people. If you're going to be 
protected and to be proactive. Stay connected to the people of God. You need other people in your life. Amen? Don't ever try to fight by yourself. That's why the church is so important. That's why I salute every one of you because you got up this morning and said, I'm going to God's house today. You made a good decision about being in the house of God today. You're stronger because you came to God's house today, okay? You're, something happened. There's a strengthening and impartation that came to you because you gathered with the people of God today. Always make a decision and say, I'm connecting up with other people who are fighting the same battle I'm fighting. Hebrews 10, 25, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Last verse, Ecclesiastes 4, 12, though one may be overpowered, Two can defend themselves, and a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Can I encourage you? Take your stand. Make a decision to be a protected believer and a proactive believer, not just in your own life, but also in your family. Would you bow your heads together with me as we pray? Father, thank you for your word this morning. We're so grateful for the word of God, how it instructs us and guides us, teaches us how we are to live. And Father, I pray that something from today would settle deeply in our hearts, that you'd help us to not only have heard it, but Lord, let us live it out, put it into practice, apply it through the power of your Holy Spirit. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus, I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to church-redeemer.org slash a new you. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.